to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope you're all doing very, very, very well. First, let me apologize in the delay in getting this episode out. I believe it's been about a week and a half until our last episode came out. So let me apologize. So it was sort of a a perfect storm of everything. We had an episode ready last week, and then we had major, major issues with the website, as many of you have brought to my attention. We kept getting these internal server errors, and it was all due to the theme we were running on uh, aromapress.net, so I had to change that. I have to deal with developers because I know literally nothing about web design, so I thank you so, so much for your patience, and I apologize for the delay in getting everything uh, published But for this episode, Andy will not be here because he is traveling like myself. However, he he has some spotty internet where he is, so he wasn't able to connect to this episode. However, we are joined by Chiesa di Totti writer Bren, who you can find on Twitter at BrenCDT. And you can also find uh, ChiesaDiTotti.com on Twitter at ChiesaDiTotti. Totti. So before I bring Bren on, I first have to welcome and thank our latest patron from Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to romapress.net slash support or go to patreon.com slash romapress. You can get early access to the podcast and extra episodes of the podcast as well have to welcome and thank Dan, who is our latest patron, who you can find on Twitter at Dan, R-E-E-V-O. So that's at D-A-N-R-E-E-V-O. Dan, thank you so, so much. Without your support, the website, the podcast is not possible. So thank you to all of you who currently support the podcast. I thank you so, so much. And one more thing before I bring Bren on. as many I, I tweeted this out, but there is a new theme slash layout on the website that I had to get up there to remove the internal server errors that we kept getting. But anyway, if you could give me your feedback on the new layout and how the website looks now, please let me know. I'm, I, I need any and all feedback, even if you think it's terrible, please let me know. I know myself as well. I was so used to the the old look of the website that anytime something changes, even if I like it, there's a part of me that gets really pissed just because it's different than what I'm used to. So please, if you're having an issue, if you like it, if you don't like the layout, please let me know. I would really, really, really appreciate it because what I like may not be what everybody else likes. So any feedback you could give me would be greatly appreciated. And then lastly, if you could also leave a rating on itunes this really really helps us um there's going to be some changes coming with the uh i'm sorry not the website with the podcast in the coming weeks we're going to be joining a podcast network and the podcast will likely not be available on soundcloud anymore we're actually going to be changing the podcast host to transistor but the podcast will still be available on itunes we're going to get it added to google it's on luminary it's on iheart so if there are any other platforms that you prefer to listen to the podcast that isn't soundcloud um, where it currently isn't at right now please 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 let me know and i will get it on there as well 
So beyond the iTunes, Google, Luminary, iHeart, just the ones the, the the ones I previously mentioned, if there's another platform that I don't know of that isn't popular that sort of flies under the radar, please let me know and I will get it added because I you know with us leaving SoundCloud, I want to make sure that everybody has access to this without any problems at all. So shoot me a, a DM or a tweet on Twitter at uh, S-O-L-A-N-O underscore five six, and I will make sure I get it on whichever platform you would want me to do so. So enough of me rambling. Let me bring Bren on now, who, again, you can find on Twitter at BrenCDT, and you can find all of his work at com. So here's Bren now. Okay, Bren is here with me now. So, Bren, thanks for joining. I want to start out real quick. You just posted something on the website in regards to Acardi. And in the subheader, you sarcastically wrote uh, after it said something to the effect of Acardi open to joining Roma if if an offer from Juve doesn't arrive. Uh, you sarcastically wrote, uh, thanks. Um, so th- that's exactly how I felt about the entire thing. It's sort of like Roma is the bridesmaid in this situation. But right. the, the, the Juve or non-Juve offer aside, I assume you would be beyond ecstatic if you were to actually join, right? I think so. Um... I just, I, it's, it's tough for me to to figure out what's going on in his mind because it's just so clear that he has no job there anymore and he's just pinning all his hopes on this one place in Juventus that to me seems pretty far-fetched that they would take him. I just, I've struggled to imagine him and Ronaldo in the same locker room, let alone the same field. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in name recognition low and then, you know, how many goals he scored over the past several years, I think he would be a huge uh, addition. I mean, I, I struggle to see if he would um, fulfill all the same roles as Jekyll does in terms of holding up play and things like that. But I mean, you can't argue with the goals he scored. So in that respect, I mean, that's something Romans lacked outside of Jekyll's one huge season was a, an elite goal scorer. So I would certainly welcome him in that regard. But I mean, I'm, I'm not holding my breath on this one. Sure, sure. So just because you're uh Talti, they get a ton of comments and you you probably have a much better pulse than what most of us do on how everybody else feels about it. I mean, when you sure. compare Acardi to potentially Iguain arriving, I would assume most people view that as a night and day situation where one would be completely great. And then bringing in Iguain to this point, at least it seemed incredibly unpopular amongst most supporters. I mean, is that how you view it as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a strange thing. I don't think there's any one player that would really bowl people over because I think with Iguain it's people question his motives and I people still call him fat even though it was really only that, <laughs> one, that one season in Juventus and that one right. picture but people still sort of you know pick on him for that for being overweight and being you know not having sufficient motivation I guess you could say and he's also up there and they're considering paying him a huge salary so there's a lot to it where I think is if they were just that one player away from winning then yeah sure you know go the hilt get him um, and I think with Acardi it just seems like knee-jerk reaction is there's so much animosity about him and his wife and everything that went on with uh, Maxi Lopez and everything that went on with the Inter fans and the book and all that. So I think they both come with huge negatives. It's just a matter of which poison can you swallow. And I think Riccardi sort of the, the scales tilt in his favor just simply because he's younger and he's more prolific. So I, I think if you can divorce yourself from all that stuff, he seems to be the one that people favor, but they both sort of engender just such immediate negative responses it's very strange i often joke about if other fans of other teams react like that if it's just purely a roma thing i'm not entirely sure 
Sure. So, I mean, you you brought up a good point. The, the problem is you can't divorce yourself from a lot of these episodes that, that he's had himself yeah. involved with. And if we're going to be honest here, I would say uh, Roma supporters are probably more harsh than the inter ones and i just i i just have a very hard time understanding how his character would gel in the city um sure i mean does that concern you above all beyond just beyond his ability because i i don't think anybody can even question this at that point um just from a pure yeah just from a pure environmental standpoint and his personality standpoint I mean, doesn't that worry you most of all when it comes to a player like him? I mean, I can't sit here and pretend I know all the ins and outs of everything, but I mean, it's been pretty well publicized. Um, and like I said, that's just the first thing people bring up is, oh, you know, he's a scumbag, liquidated to his teammate, liquidated to his friend. Um, and I just, I was thinking about today, I'm like, well, how many Argentinians are currently in our squad? Like off the top of my head, it's just Parati and Fazio. So I wonder, I mean, do they get along? Because, you know, Icardi's sort of been persona non grata in that Argentinian, Argentinian setup. Right, so I right. wonder, how would that work? Who would his friends be? I mean, there's not that many outlandish personalities on the team anymore. So who would he gel with? Who would he hang out with? Who would come to his support in the, if something were, were to happen? But then I think the only thing that's going with him is on his favor is that he's so talented. So once he starts scoring, I feel like that might fall by the wayside. But you know how it is when we hit the doldrums if something goes bad. He'll be the first one to catch the heat, especially if he's making, you know, seven and a half million euros a year, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Easily would be the highest earner in the team, almost double what the the current highest earner is now. Um, so I want to rewind a little bit. Um, sure. Going back a couple of seasons, when just because we're we're seeing the effects of it now, when Monchi arrived at the club, and I believe it was March 2017 to be exact. So. I was just going back in time and I was reading some of the pieces, not only on your website, but I mean, on a lot of other ones as too. Even yeah. Some of my tweets. Um, so everybody was ecstatic about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so looking at it now, it's pretty clear that Roma are having an extremely difficult time uh, selling some of the pieces that Monchi brought in. Uh, I mean, we can go down the list, and it's just astonishing that some of these guys are still even at the club. Just in your time as a Roma supporter, have you ever felt, and, and maybe I'm asking you this unfairly, but have you ever felt more duped by anybody, <laughs> whether it was manager, sporting director, player? I mean, unless you can come up with another situation. I mean, do you, do you feel like this was the biggest swing and misses by any player, director, coach, hmm. even president, since you've been following the club? Boy, that's a good question. I, I think it would be tough to compare him to a player, uh, simply because obviously players, their age is a factor and things like that. I was just, when you're asking me that question, my first thought was I was just thinking back to like Adriano. I mean, he was a little bit over the hill, but <laughs> sure. I didn't, no one expected him to be as poor as he was. And I look at players like Aturbe or Dumbia or Ibarbo, but I know those guys were huge names. I guess outside of Aturbe was a huge cost, maybe not necessarily a huge name. Um, but yeah, I, I think given all the hoopla with which he came to town, I remember as soon as they signed him going and looking at all these articles about all the deals he struck at Sevilla and all the money made and things like that. So I thought if nothing else, he would be able to turn a profit. But as it's turning out, that's not even the case. So right, right. I think I think given that it seemed like he was the fulcrum for everything that they were doing, like Palau put his faith into him and said, you know, the first six or seven years weren't that great, but we got this guy who's going to turn around, everything's going to be good. So I think in that regard, his performance compared to 
uh, maybe not necessarily hype, but the expectations they put upon him, I think it's been a tremendous failure. And I think where it's sort of only being the seeds, sort of the seeds or the the seeds are coming to root now. It's going to be a couple of years before they can sort of free themselves of all of this. Yeah, I completely agree. And the funny thing is, I mean, we look back on it now and hindsight is always 20, 2020. And we say, oh my gosh, what was he thinking? But in the time, it almost felt like a lot of it was right. I would yeah. say the only one yeah. that maybe we could take issue with was Pastore over Zayek, which I think everybody raised yeah. some, <laughs> some red flags at the time I, about yeah, that. The Olsen, one, the Olsen one scared me too, just because it's it just seems so like a rookie move to take a guy right off the World Cup. I was, I, that's, yeah. I was just so shocked. But I mean, he did well that summer, obviously, so I wasn't terrified of it. But looking back, I was like, yeah, that's like like an R. Shabin kind of movie. Should have known that was coming. Seriously, have you ever seen when it when we're talking about Allison to to Robin Olson? Has there yeah. ever been a bigger single? replacement downgrade that you've ever seen at your time at the club because i was going through we can find some pretty funny examples balzadetti getting hurt in his first season and then they bring in ashley cole the next season i mean that was a pretty bad downgrade i was i i I know you're a cap fan so i'm thinking like when lebron leaves and then they have like wiggins and nobody else to rely on Pretty uh, pretty stark drop, I would say. Um, I still can't quite tell. It didn't seem that bad. He just seemed like really passive and didn't know when to come off. And it, I don't know. It's I guess you have a gamble when you have a keeper that tall. You got to start. It's a balance between explosiveness and how much ground they cover. But he just seems completely just out of sorts. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is too, if you've been following Roma for a long time, I mean, it's not a you're not exactly used to great goalkeepers in your yeah, time. Exactly, yeah. We were spoiled. We well, yeah. I mean, even when you consider Chesney, we were spoiled yeah, to an extent for the last few seasons, at least. So I, I, you know, I can understand why this felt worse than maybe it actually was. But seriously, looking looking back on it now, I mean, do you think Monchi left some sort of damaging effect on the team? I mean, do you think it will take them one, two, three x amount of seasons to crawl out of the hole that he seemed to put them in? Hmm. Uh, I, th- I think his whole tenure is sort of indicative with the biggest sort of problem I've had with the whole uh, regime, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word, is they just don't stick to it. I mean, I would have, it's, you know, he didn't inherit a great situation either. He had a lot of holes to dig out of. So I would have thought, okay, I mean, maybe we got two years where he's got to dig out a hole and the purchases aren't going to be great. But I thought just from the sort of the vibe he exuded and the things he said when he signed on with the team, I thought, you know, he's going to be here for like a decade. And, you know, it takes more than two years for a guy to put his plan into work. So I was, most disappointed that he either they gave up on him or he gave up on them. So in a lot of ways, it sort of reminds me of when they hired Enrique. It was like high-minded ideals that are going to take a while, but nobody had the patience or temerity to see it through. So that's what's most disappointing. Um, but to go back to your question, yeah, I think it's it's going to have to take a while. I mean, like you said, look, they can't get rid of Olsen. They still have Benzanzi, Gonalons, all these guys that they just can't shed. So, I, yeah. you know, who knows how long it'll take. Shifting to, I guess we could call him... The boss man, Palotta. I know you and many others, just because I'm, I'm going through a couple of articles here that, that are on the website. There's a lot of people who take issue with him. I'm, I, I won't say I, I necessarily despise his, his tenure at the club, but I, I do have an issue with some of the decisions he's made. Do you think, do you think people's problems with Palotta are, are strictly related to the way he handles the transfer market business? If it wasn't the... Uh, oh, Pjanic isn't leaving. And then two weeks later, um, uh, Baldissoni is trotting out a WhatsApp message saying, oh, look, Pjanic right. texted me saying I want to leave. 
Do you think it's purely that people take issue with the way he handles Roma's transfer market and that's it? If he would handle that completely differently, people's outlook on him would be a bit different? Or do you think there's more to it than just that? Well, another good one. Um, I think my my sort of relationship, for lack of a better word, with him is very strange because when he that's how I came to the site. The, the person who ran it before me just had like a contest and I submitted a piece about you know, how excited I was and how brave it was of him to hire Enrique and all this. So I was fully on board. And I think maybe it was just sort of um, maybe an expectations versus reality. You thought, okay, we got this guy who is literally a billionaire. And I think maybe people had visions in their head that we're going to become like City or PSG and just spending willy nilly. Um, and I think once that sort of cooled down, I, I do think you're right. I think it's just the bold proclamations he made about Kanich and Nangalan and Allison only to then within months or with weeks, within days, sometimes do the exact opposite. And I think there's a tendency to think that since he's never really there or he's not there much, that maybe he's not really that connected. Um, like, obviously, you can't speak that. I can't imagine a guy would invest hundreds of millions of dollars and not really have his thumb on things or at least have consistent communication. So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But I think because of the things he says, because they're so, uh, I don't know, bombacious or bombastic, I guess is the word, because of that, that just draws the ire when it, you know, turns a 180 later and turns out not to be true. I think when you make huge statements like that that turn out not to be true, people are going to throw it back in your face fairly or unfairly. So I think that's the crux of it. But, I mean, we're going on, what, eight years now, and there's no stadium, and he's, you know, they're not the biggest team in Europe, as he's said a few times, or intimated at least. So I think it's just a lot of the expectations versus reality because he is prone to making huge statements. I think then that's sort of his undoing in some ways. Sure. Fair enough. So, uh, boombastic, by the way, uh, when I heard that word. Bombastic first... boom, bombastic. Well, whatever. That made... Phenomenal song by Shaggy for all of you yeah, uh, 90s, 90s pop fans. Um, so, check that one out. Anyway, so moving for this season then, Palota hires Petraki to uh, replace Monchi. Is he a name that you like? And given that you have probably a good pulse on what other supporters are thinking, does he seem to be a popular choice? Or do you think they should have gone another route? What do you think? Um, I'm trying to, it's, you know, the, everything moves so quickly this summer. I can't even remember who they were considering prior right, to that. And right. there was, um, I can't pronounce it, Miss Lintot or something like that, who's going to come with Mourinho, like hand in hand. And then there was the Conti rumors to assume that he was going to get carte blanche. Um, I, I, I guess I don't, I don't feel like maybe he wasn't like a, uh, a sexy pick, for lack of a better word, but he seems like a solid guy. I think people were... Sort of like, okay, that's not a bad move. I mean, he did a decent job building Torino. He didn't sort of turn and buckle went to sell Bellotti right away or players like that. So I feel like he did well with what he had there. And I think the thing that we've seen with all guys when they make the leap to a bigger club and they have more money is that that success is going to carry over. So I, I feel like he was – I didn't sense any overwhelming positive or negative reaction towards him. I feel like people felt like it was a solid pick. Let's give him a go. Now what about Fonseca? Given that they missed out on Conte, given that they missed out on Ansari, in your mind, is he sort of like the, the next best fallback plan, so to speak? It's probably a bit of an unfair characterization. But, I mean, in terms of realistic targets, right. don't you think Fonseca was a good appointment? No, I was surprised. I mean, I'm, I, I I thought those two, Sari and Conte, were probably a bridge too far. And then there was like the Giampaolo talks. And then uh, was it Zerbi? Yeah, just, what's it, the Swasolo guy? Oh yeah, that would have been no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, so nobody I, wants Stefanacesco like, 2.0. Yeah, rather than taking like a middling sort of Italian manager, I'm glad that they sort of went for an up and comer, a guy who has 
experience in Europe and who had done pretty well with Shakhtar. So I felt like in this instance, I was glad they went into the box. And I, I, I like what I've seen so far. So I hope they give them, I hope they give them a chance. But it was definitely, I mean, I remember all the coverage we did prior to that. It was the usual candidates. And we had like Laurent Blanc and the usual sort of <laughs> yeah. that they yeah. and, and I don't right. know them even being mentioned. So in that respect, I was like, well, uh, but then you do a little reading on you, you see how he did punch above his weight in Europe and how he sort of dominated the Ukrainian league. Granted, it's a small sort of race, but um, I feel like he had a lot of, you know, the credentials he wanted. So I, I feel like it was a good hire. Maybe not the one we expected, but I think it was a pretty solid move. Just to just to sort of end it here, it's A, what are your expectations for the new season? And B, when we were talking about Palota, one thing I didn't even mention was that obviously they haven't won a single trophy since he arrived. So... For this, oh, we got that tree. Yeah, well, exa- yeah, the uh, the bonsai tree from this past weekend. That's you, you are exactly nice looking tree. There. You're exactly right. I, I failed to mention that um, the Green Mabel Cup champions. So we can add that to the Sevilla Palata. But in all, in all seriousness, he's been here. Jesus, it's, all, it's we're we're near the end of 2019, so we're going at 2020. So almost almost a decade since he's been at the club, and they right. haven't won a single trophy. So do you think that's at all realistic this season? And B, do you think should Palota, even if it was like the Coppa Italia, do you think that would sway people's opinion on him? Because, again, people are already not thrilled with him. And then as well, when you consider that there's been these Qatar rumors for the last two, three, four months, which he's outright denied, but they're still lingering. He has to win something soon, right? This, This just can't continue with nothing. Um, I guess well, first my expectations, I, I'm expecting pretty much a carbon copy of last year. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be a glut of like anywhere between like three and six teams gunning for that fourth spot. So I think if everything goes right, I think that's maybe the best case scenario, barring any huge moves here at the end. Um, a trophy wouldn't hurt him, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Uh, I know for me. At least the, the Copa Italia is whatever. I'm always like, if you're in it, trying to win it. But when they lose, I'm just like, meh, it's, you know, whatever. It would have been nice. I feel like it would have been a few years ago if we could have beat Juventus to being the first team to have 10. That would have been a nice little feather in our cap. But Yeah, the silver uh, star, come on. Yeah, I think more than anything, I think people just want progress. And I think going back to our um, discussion a little bit earlier, I think that's another problem with him, with, with the group, maybe not just him. It's just sort of, it feels like whenever they build something it's sort of torn apart like if you look at that uh i think it was the 2016 2017 team with like 87 points or whatever then just boom they all drop one by one obviously spalletti left that wasn't as clear cut as i'm making it sound but it seems like every time they have something good they cut themselves off at the knees so for me i would like to see hey i made fourth this year next year we're making third we signed these couple players i think we have a shot at the title so I don't know if a trophy in itself will be like a, a panacea for all the wounds. I just think we need consistent progress. Yeah. So just based on what you said there, or at least the sense I get, you don't want Palata to remain, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe we're at the vanguard of the he must go sort of things. And um, I don't know. I, I It's tough for me to say. I, I, I don't for one minute assume that running a sports team is easy or as clear cut as it might sound. But like, as we've been talking, it's been almost a decade and they haven't made any progress. I'm just wondering what's in it for him. Is he, is he getting any joy out of this? I mean, is he making enough money on it to justify his expenses? So I don't know. I, I feel like if 
the only way that would be better is if we went for an oil baron who was just going to spend and just say the hell with it. To me, that's really the only way it's going to improve. Because, I mean, Pallada does have money. He has, if you look at it objectively, he has spent a lot on the transfer market. It's just, as we mentioned before, we can quibble about the ways it's been spent. So I don't know, barring sort of a QSI or maybe another oil baron, what a better owner, owner out there might be. I know we'd all romantically love Ferrero to come from Samp, but that wouldn't be better. No, that wouldn't. I, that I like terrible. I mean, you know, Jeff Bezos is divorced now, so maybe his wife will buy the team. I oh, know. hey, that's an option. Yeah. Well, he's a Celtics fan too, so part Bezos of me – No, 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 I'm sorry, Paul Alta. Right, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, part of me is like, you know, they've, they're obviously a franchise who's had a ton of success. You would think he could at least mildly replicate that at a much smaller and probably slower scale. Yeah, and I, I think that was the other thing. When he came in, it's like, we're going to do all these analytics. We're going to find all these market inefficiencies. It's like, okay, where are they? What's happening? What's going on with them? Sure. All right, so just to end here, the biggest player sale that you regret? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it has to be Allison, right? He was just, I don't think they've ever, outside of Tati and Dorossi at their peaks, I don't think they've ever had a player was that good at what they do and maybe keeping him was never in the cards but i feel like they could have just kept him for another year or two that's the one i i rue the most sure oh and real quick you i know you weren't a fan of how they handled the didossi saga so explain what your 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 qualms with that were i just i i mean again it's it's a lot of um it depends on what you choose to believe if he I mean, you probably know more than I do. If he came to them with this pay-for-play offer and they just never responded for months or a year, to me, that's just... I, I guess what bothers me the most is he could still play. I mean, with, with Tati, as much as it pained me, it's like he was 40, he was 41. I get it. But Darasi was, when he was healthy, when he was playing, he was one of our best midfielders. So I feel like if you even if you just get like a dozen games out of him, that's worth a pay-for-player. That's worth, you know, a million or a million and a half. I just to me, it just seemed like they were just so dismissive of him, and it was. I know I, I feel like that's the appeal to Roma for a lot of people is that sort of that myth and that romanticism, and they just sort of blew it out of the water with those two. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, everybody, Bren from Kizadi dot com. Bren, thank you so so much for the time. Uh, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. All right, everyone, that is where we are going to leave today's episode. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. We will be back later in the week to discuss the latest happenings in the transfer market. Hopefully we have some updates on Icardi, Jekko, and many other outgoing and incoming potential transfers. So thank you again so, so much for listening. And until next time, ciao.